0: You're listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I'm Kendra, and I love having interesting conversations with my friends about art, media, life, the universe, and everything. And that is what this podcast is all about. Welcome back, Bethany, to my podcast. Thank you. I'm just going to turn this over to you. I asked you what you wanted to do, and you knew exactly
1: what movie, and tell us all about it. So this episode is about the movie Turning Red, uh, which is a Disney movie that came out last year, Um, and watching it was almost therapeutic to me, actually. (laughs) Um, It's about a girl who's who's just turned 13 in 2002, and she finds out that she turns into a giant red panda whenever she feels strong emotions and this is sort of like a family blessing that has been passed down but it ends up kind of turning into a curse for everyone and it's it's only the women in the family i should say it ends up being more like a curse because you don't really want to turn into this angry red panda whenever you (laughs) feel a strong (laughs) emotion. Um, So she kind of is learning how to deal with that. And it's a good way of showing just kind of how it can be difficult to be a teenager, specifically as a girl and just like your relationship with your mom and how that can sort of change and your whole life kind of, is developing through being a teenager. And it's interesting, too, because her she's Chinese-Canadian. I don't know at what point her family immigrated to Canada, but they live there now, but there's still strong Chinese roots. So that's kind of an interesting part of it, too. So I don't know as much about that. I am European-American, so... <laughs> I don't know about the Asian part of it, but um, so I'd be—I'm curious, Kendra, of if there were things that stuck out to you. It seems like her family probably came from a different part of China than where you were living, but did anything stick out to you, Chinese-wise?
0: You know, it's never said where they come from, but I believe they speak Cantonese, and people speak Cantonese uh, where I used to live in the province of Guangdong. So Cantonese is spoken in the Guangdong province. It's spoken in Hong Kong and, you know, mostly there, I'm sure there might be some migrant people who, you know, continue to keep that language in different parts of China. But uh, I really like the part where her dad makes food because he was making Cantonese food. And it looked so good. I wanted to eat it.
1: <laughs> I know. I love That's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Because the mom says that the dad's making supper. And then it cuts to him in the kitchen. And you have these really close-up shots of him just making the food. It looks delicious. It's all it's hard to describe in a podcast, but it's just, like, the food looks so good. It does. <laughs> it's like a commercial for food. <laughs> oh, and it's man.
0: it's a funny thing in this movie because it, it kind of doesn't have anything to do with the plot. But her dad's making food and the entire movie just slows down and focuses on him making this amazing food, which... That feels Chinese to me. Food and like connections to family around food are pretty important from my experience. I am not Chinese, um, but I did live in Guangdong for a couple years. And so, yeah, I like the food. I, I also, again, I cannot speak from personal experience, but when the main girl, her name is May, when May's aunties come that made me laugh because there's just this this chinese auntie vibe where they're stylish they are very caring but kind of overbearing and they'll tell you that like you're eating too much but also you need to gain more weight in the same breath and it that was kind of awesome too i Again, I I am not Chinese, but just what little I know, I feel like it was a very special blend too of of being Chinese and Canadian because you can tell May loves Canada as well. You know, she, she that's her her home. She has like a shirt with the Canadian flag on it and I feel even like the red panda, the red flag of Canada and red pan. I feel like it was just a perfect mix of, of cultures. And yeah. I know I'm also not Canadian. Uh, and I did actually ask my Canadian, one of my Canadian friends about this movie. She didn't have a whole lot to say, but she said it was kind of fun. She recognized uh, the big stadium that the climax takes place at the end is a very famous landmark in oh. canada and so it was places she she knew and she thought it was kind of fun to see that in a movie
1: oh that's cool i didn't know anything was real with that because i've only been to two spots in canada I don't even know which province is this movie in. Do you remember?
0: No, I don't. Dang.
1: I'm letting down all of
0: my <laughs> Canadian friends right now. I The Sky Dome, that's what it's called. I'm looking it up. The Sky Dome is a real place. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that's cool. Man, I didn't even, because I was focusing on the Asian culture in the movie because that's something that's more different from my daily life than Canada, I think i think i don't know it seems like united states and canada have a lot of similarities and then my family in spe- in particular is from north dakota and that's basically they're just right up there <laughs> so the cultures kind of blend a lot near the border one thing I i did really like like you said is the blending of canadian and chinese cultures just in the color red too? Because red is important in Chinese culture as well, right?
0: Yes, it is. It's like a lucky color. Um, people will use it for celebrations or good luck or it's just a, a really positive color.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that's cool because it's Canadian and Chinese and yes. different from the United States because red isn't necessarily seen as a I mean, red, white, and blue, I suppose. The flag (laughs) colors are pretty important, but just red by itself, I don't think is necessarily the same meaning as it would be in Canada and China.
0: No, it's different. And I love that. I I love that it's in a specific place, and, and also in a specific time. And you could tell there's so many... I wanted to ask you, you would have been much younger in 2002. I was actually 14 in 2002. And I was not a teenager who liked boy bands or... I had a Tamagotchi actually, but I it kind of stressed me out so I wasn't super like I was obsessed for like a week and then I forgot about it and then it died and then I felt bad and then I like couldn't go near it again because it stressed me out so yeah. <laughs> I guess I would it this movie does not necessarily have a lot of nostalgia for me but a, a little little bit how about for you
1: for me it is really nostalgic it, which is weird because i was um seven in 2002 so i definitely was not in the same phase of life as the main character and her friends uh it's very different to be seven than 13 but I, maybe that's why it feels nostalgic to me actually because i remember seeing these things around me of mm. like just the kinds of clothes that people are wearing Mm-hmm. And the prevalence of boy bands, which I mean, that still was kind of going on when I was 13, too. And the way that people talk, too. They got the slang right, I think, for the time period. Because even when I was, you know, 13 and 14, people were still saying the bomb and uh, like, you go, girl, and things like that that <laughs> nobody ever <laughs> says anymore. So I think it was just kind of comforting to hear those things. It's weird. I don't exactly know why I identify with this movie so strongly, because I I've never listened to boy bands. I never really had a group of girl friends who were my age like May does in the movie. And I was never openly boy crazy. And my parents weren't strict in the movie May's. Mom is pretty strict, and she wants May to do really well in school and to take part in the family business, which is maintaining this temple for their ancestors, and particularly the one that started the whole Red Panda blessing/ slash curse. And that's not how it was growing up for me. I didn't really have a lot of pressure out, like from my parents or anyone to perform. But I felt that in myself, because I always wanted to do things perfectly and get good grades all the time and seem like a nice girl that just kind of obeyed the rules and stuff like that. And then when I did start having crushes, it was really embarrassing and I tried to kind of keep it hidden from everyone. And then to make matters worse, most of my friends were more tomboyish, I guess. So I felt even less comfortable bringing up crushes with them. Or I had a couple of friends that were complete on the other side of the spectrum where they would like have a crush on every boy and all the boy bands and like any actor and stuff like that. And that's not, I didn't relate to that either. So I just always felt really uncomfortable about that whole topic (laughs) so i don't know why it's just i guess it's an extreme example of the things that i was feeling when i was going when i was getting older like getting to 10 11 you know 12 and 13. i started feeling the things that may seems to in the movie
0: i really liked how a couple things about how this movie represents girls I feel like in a lot of movies, girls are represented as being super pretty and put together and cool and confident. And speaking as a former girl, I certainly did not feel that way. Especially during my teen years, I felt super weird and awkward and not put together at all. And I liked seeing that on film, and I also really like how Mae has a, a group of really goofy, weird friends. That's another thing I feel like is kind of missing in a lot of movies. Most high school movies have the click of mean girls, the popular girls, and then there's one or two weird girls who might be the protagonist or in the background even and these girls are how many there's like four of them Mm -hmm. they're they don't really fit into any category and they don't go up against like the popular kids you get the idea that the school is just full of these kinds of girls that are kind of wacky kind of weird and they have friends and do weird
1: things together, and I liked seeing that. Yeah, because that I think the way they show friendship in this movie is more realistic than any other movie I've seen for 13-year-old girls. Yes. You get the sense there's one girl in their school that seems to kind of be a trendsetter, like May and her friends start selling pictures with so she'll turn into the red panda and then they'll sell a picture you could take a picture with the red panda and have that and then they have different red panda merch Um, they're trying to raise money for being able to go to a concert so this one girl gets some merch and then when the other kids see her with that then they kind of follow suit and want to get the merch too but it's never really dwelt on and It's especially not, like, she's not somebody that May and her friends are fighting against or anything. I mean, I didn't go to public school, but I, my friends did. And I never really had that weird movie dynamic where there are the popular kids and then everyone who's not popular kind of hates them. You know, like, me and my friends just didn't really care. We would do our own thing. I didn't go to public school either, so I don't know.
0: <laughs> but in, in our weird little
1: homeschool group, we were all just weird and friends together, I think. The other part of it is, too, I mean, there were cliques in school, but not everyone who was in a clique was like a carbon copy of each other. Mm-hmm. So I like that mm-hmm. about the May's friend group, too, because there's one girl who reads like a Twilight like a book that's similar to Twilight and she's kind of into sort of goth stuff and then there's another girl who's a bit more like tomboyish and then there's a girl who um, speaks Korean so I'm assuming she's Korean and she is kind of like a weird mixture because she dresses really girly but she also likes punching people so (laughs) she just seems like an anime character to me (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there's all that. And then May, she does really well in school, but she's not portrayed as just a really nerdy person who doesn't know how to socially interact with people either. She's just a person. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, I like how the relationship are, r- relationships are portrayed. And I also like how May's relationship with her dad is portrayed too, because he's a pretty soft so- soft-spoken person. There's one point in the movie where Mae's really feeling down and he seems like he just kind of knows just what to say to help her feel better. And he's really wise, so that's really cool to see too.
0: I'm curious, you have a daughter and of course you have a mom, so being in between those two things, how do you feel about the mom-daughter relationship stuff in this movie?
1: that's a funny part too cuz in in the movie i alternate between identifying with may of you know i've had those feelings when i was 13 or so and then identifying with her mom even though my daughter's only 4 there's i still have times where i feel like i i'm turning into a giant red panda <laughs> you know, there's one part where May decides that she wants to. uh, Let me back up. There's a way that you can get rid of the red panda spirit and just like lock it into an object, and then you don't have to worry about randomly turning into a red panda again. You just, you're just done with it. And May decides that she doesn't want to do that, the ceremony for that. She wants to be able to still turn into the red panda. So she runs away. She goes to. Her friends who are at a concert, and her mom is infuri- infuriated that she is, one, not going do- to do the ceremony, and two, that she's just running away to go to this concert. So, she, her necklace that has her panda spirit in it shatters, and she turns into this just giant red panda that's, like, bigger than the buildings. And I just... <laughs> That part always just cracks me up because I just know when even Alice at four, she'll do things that remind me of myself. And I know in the moment that this is something I would do. And that makes me even more furious because it's like (laughs) having that I have to deal with this with myself. And now I have a daughter who's doing the same thing. (laughs) It can be a little bit hard to control your emotions then. Um, so I'm glad that I don't- I can't actually turn into a red panda. (laughs) So that part's pretty interesting. But then on the flip side, a lot of the dynamics in the movie are really different than my real life. Like, my mom is not overbearing or strict like the grandma is in this movie. So that's just completely different. She never really tells me what to do anymore. So... And now it's time for RANDOM RECOMMENDATIONS. Um, so my random recommendation for this episode is to read The Hound of the Baskervilles by Sir Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle. I had never read a Sherlock Holmes book before, and I got this book, it used to be my grandma's, and I thought, well, yeah, that seems like it'll be pretty interesting. And man, I got through it in in two days, which it's not a very long book that it's in the old days when I had time, I would have been able to get through it in one day. But it's a good mystery. And I know this book has been around for a really long time. So you've probably had other people recommend it to you. But man, it was really enjoyable. So I recommend it.
0: Hello, friends. This is the part of the show where Kendra. Gives a recommendation, and I would like to recommend Koi Ink Studio. I did a podcast with my friend Amanda, who runs Koi Ink. She's an artist. teacher and she has a lot of cool things to share. If you are interested in art, specifically local art for Longmont, Colorado, you should check out some of her products. She has beautiful illustrations and watercolor paintings. If you are interested in learning about art, she is a wonderful teacher and I highly recommend her. You can check out her at koiinkstudio.com. That's C-O-Y- i-n-k studio.com now back to the
1: episode do you know about family dynamics in china like is it how does it compare to the way family the family is portrayed in the movie
0: yes i feel like again this is just from people i've been around general general vibe of Chinese culture. Family is very important and many parents expect a lot of their children. They expect their children to do well in school. Academics are very important. Uh, They want their kids to be well behaved and to succeed. I have some limited experience of seeing this kind of family where the children are raised in Americans, or for me, American schools, (laughs) or a Western, a Western school. And I have noticed there is often potential for that kind of conflict, where the parents are more interested in keeping the values they were raised with. And the children because their their school and their world is in a, a more individualistic culture because America and Canada and Europe, these are more individualistic cultures. They want to pursue their own interests and maybe not do what their parents want of them. I would actually say for anyone interested in... And more of, of that dynamic, please read American Born Chinese. It's a graphic novel and he grew up in America to first generation parents and his thoughts about kind of the clash of cultures is really, really good and, and I would say Turning Red presents some of that as well it's not always that amount of conflict and that's why I say there's there's the potential for that but it it doesn't always happen like that and I think in Turning Red they ramped up the conflict a bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense because it's more interesting in a movie if you have uh, a lot of conflict and if you're you know, buildings get destroyed and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think that's an important distinction because even though we understand when we watch a movie that, you know, this this violence is unrealistic, uh, we might be tempted to think that just the underlying conflict in the family is the way that it always is for people who immigrate to a different country, you know, to have that cultural conflict. And it's not necessarily
0: or it okay. plays out in different ways i guess it's, yeah i think the thing that seemed over the top to me was the mom is following her to school and spying on her
1: the- yeah <laughs> or um, she finds some drawings that <laughs> did of her and this uh, convenience store clerk that she and her friends all have a have crushes on and then she like takes Mae to the convenience store and confronts the clerk saying that he's been, like, bothering her daughter and in- inspiring these horrible images and stuff, <laughs> but that's really, <laughs> that's, that's across the line.
0: The awkwardness of being a teenager ramped up to a thousand, because I think we've all feared that, but oh thank god, At least that never happened to me.
1: (laughs) No, I could see that happening in certain families, but man, even that'd be a stretch. Well, and it's funny too, because I had a really good childhood. My parents were good parents and they weren't too strict, but they weren't too lenient, you know, where I felt like I didn't have boundaries. Um, But if I was in May's situation, and I wanted to go to this concert for, for the boy band. And I, you know, if I wanted to dye my hair, which she doesn't in the movie, but just anything like that, my mom would have said, yeah, let's let's go do it. <laughs> I mean, for the concert, I probably would have had to pay for it myself. But it's so funny that even though I knew my parents would be supportive of things I was interested in, as long as they were appropriate. I still just, I felt so uncomfortable with myself and like how I was interested in things different than I was when I was a kid. Uh Yeah, that whole dynamic was just rough for me, man. So I can't imagine how much more difficult it would be for someone who didn't have supportive parents, you know, or whose parents didn't have the skills necessary to help their teenager, you know.
0: What advice would you give to parents of teenagers since it seems like you remember pretty well what it was like. I think a lot of adults can forget what it's like to be a kid and what it's like to be a teenager. And I think a lot of movies do not help because there's a lot of movies that glorify being a teenager and I don't understand that because it was horrible and I'm glad it's over What advice would you give to parents of teenagers? And what kind of parent do you want to be when your daughter becomes a teenager? And I get it on tape so I can hold you to it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I gotta think about this before I just let the words tumble out of my mouth. Regarding advice for teenagers, I have thoughts, but I have to temper that with the fact that I don't have a teenager yet, but I do have a toddler. I guess she's not a toddler anymore. She's four. I guess, I think I'm in denial. Man, (laughs) (laughs) she's been a toddler for a year. Um, But I've had a toddler before, I should say. And in my opinion, toddlers and teenagers are more similar than they are different. (laughs) So they require the same amount of patience. I think what I've seen before at least hearing from teenagers. I, I used to work in a youth group, so I talked to a lot of teenagers. It seemed like parents didn't take time with them anymore. It's very obvious that toddlers need you because they could die if you don't keep your eye on them. Um, and teenagers seem like they're okay. You know, they have a lot of good good hand-eye coordination and all that they really need like the same level of patience and they still need parents to take care of them not the way that a toddler does but just to care about like how their how their life is going and the things that they're interested in without belittling the things that they're interested in and I think that just that's a really good first step you know since I was homeschooled I didn't really face the same kinds of Difficulties that a public schooled teenager probably would. So I can't really speak for a teenager that's going through, you know, really, really difficult things. But and d- just for all of them, I think patience is a big, a big thing and just really caring and still trying to do things with them. So I hope when Alice, my daughter, is a teenager. That we still have the sort of relationship that we still want to do things together. And that if she does get herself into trouble, that she knows she can tell me. You know, and that there might still be consequences for it, but that I can help her figure out what to do next. Even even when people make mistakes, it's they can still move on from that and it's really nice to hear from an adult that you don't have to just be a slave to the mistakes that you've made and think about them all the time and things like that it's really good to hear from an adult that you can move forward and you can still have mercy and forgiveness even if you make mistakes so yeah that's that's the kind of parent i hope i am
0: i like that that sounds like a great parent
1: I had another random thought. This isn't completely different topic than what we were just talking about. <laughs> but another thing that I really like about this movie is the visual comedy. Um, for example, there's one scene when there's some characters running across a hall and there's a kid with a trombone who gets knocked over and it does the oh. sound <laughs> when he falls over and man I, that just <laughs> that just gets me every time because it's just a classic s- sound effect but to have mm-hmm. an actual physical trombone there is just great.
0: <laughs> I think we've already mentioned neither of us really got into boy bands but I absolutely love all the scenes about the boy bands there's a scene where i think they see a commercial for the concert and the boy bands are saying generic things like you know for you baby (laughs) Uh, my girl you're so special and there's all these hearts floating around them because the girls think they're so cute and then when they are at the concert the songs and uh, I would actually recommend listening to the songs in the credits because the the lyrics are extremely funny they they sound like early 2000s pop songs Mm -hmm. but the lyrics are really cheesy and (laughs) there's this one about I'm driving around so I can sit in front of your house for hours and hours and play sad songs. It made me laugh
1: so much. I also like the part when, I can't remember what's happening in the scene, but the girls are talking about the members of the band that they really like. And so there's three that are their favorite and they're saying like, yeah this one knows how to play basketball and this one speaks French and then they get to the last two and they're like um and these ones they're really cool too (laughs) (laughs) they just kind of forget about the other two and I think that's funny because in my understanding in boy bands there's always like one or two of them that no one really likes as much
0: and of course, we could speak to that more if we actually were into boy bands <laughs> I know yeah
1: I mean i have I like the in sync version of uh trash in the Camp from Tarzan. oh, um, that one's pretty good, and I know i there's a backstreet boys song that I like now I can't think of what it is, but yeah, so there's a couple that I listen to. But- I still feel I just go go right back into being a teenager again when I hear those songs because I I feel like oh I shouldn't listen to these.
0: I guess it it says something about what kind of teenager I was. I if you asked me to name a boy band song from my from that era, I don't know because I was obsessed with movie soundtracks. I could tell you. All the title tracks for John Williams, you know, all the big movies that were happening around then, Hans <laughs> Zimmer, but I don't know anything about uh, pop bands. <laughs> so someone was, this is actually funny, and I think a little relevant. Uh, the other day, I was talking to someone about how I still have a nano iPod, which is a tiny little iPod that I got when I was 15. Uh, So that was over 15 years ago at this point. And I I still have it. And I was telling someone about it and they're my age. And they said, oh yeah, and all your embarrassing music is still on it. And I thought, I I actually don't really have any music on it that I'm embarrassed about. I guess I still think all of the, the music i listened to when i was a teenager is still cool
1: (laughs) yeah i'm surprised people would be embarrassed by the music they were listening to as a teenager i don't know it just seems like it would be nostalgic by now but i went through different phases at first i went through like a 40s music phase which was partly driven by an interest in the music and partly driven by just trying to be different and not listen to popular music <laughs> so that one doesn't really count in my opinion um but then I went through like a 60s music phase and I really liked the monkeys which was cool oh I love TV the monkeys show. yeah except then I so at first I just watched it because I appreciated the show and I did really like the music um but then I started to have crushes on these guys that are like my grandpa's age now <laughs> so I was like oh no I can't watch this So <laughs> that's a weird because they're a boy band I guess technically the- yeah
0: they were one of the Beatles and the Monkees those were the bands that made boy bands popular you know
1: I have a Monkees t-shirt that I'm so proud of I actually got it from going to a Monkees concert when they had a reunion, um, and people see that and they assume that I don't know who the monkeys are <laughs> and that I don't realize that they're not a real band. Um, hmm. And man, that just makes me get a, wanna get on a soapbox because yes, I know who the monkeys are and I own several of their albums on vinyl. Um, and I know a lot of their obscure songs too.
0: I think it's interesting how music can be a real generational thing. I feel like our music tastes were very influenced by our parents. I feel like some kids kind of develop their own musical taste as kind of a backlash to their parents' music. And isn't that what pop music just is? But again, I I never, like the most edgy thing I ever listened to was Two Steps From Hell which is also instrumental they use it for movie trailers but it had the word hell in it so (laughs) I am not a mother but I do have some very lovely teenagers that have been in my life and I care a lot for and several of them have shared music with me and I'm thinking of one guy in particular I was kind of shocked when he started sharing his music with me and it was some that I knew and some that I didn't and I loved it. So I started sharing some music with him and he he at least put up with it. He, there's a couple songs that he really liked and I think that's kind of funny. I never thought that I would really enjoy getting music recommendations from a 14-year-old. You know, <laughs> I feel like in Turning Red, pulling this back together for Turning Red, there's something to be said in conflict between generations of trying to understand and engage with something you might not be comfortable with. And in, in Turning Red, it's I feel like it could be a little bit preachy towards parents, but also parents have all the power in parent-child relationships, so it just might be a good reminder for parents to, you know, maybe listen to your 14-year-old's music. You might like some of it, and at least you will, if if they choose to share it with you. And and for children, just to remember that your, your parents were born in a very different time. Watching this movie did make me feel a little bit old simply because technology has changed so much within my lifetime when i was quite young i was listening to records and i know records are back but this was like the original records and then there were cds and then you know i was 15 and we had mp3s and ipods and now you don't even need a specific device for music it's on your phone it's changed so so much and turning red is like this little time capsule of oh yeah i remember when tamagotchis were super popular and they had pixels that were like a centimeter big you know they were huge
1: (laughs) in black and white (laughs) and we thought it was the coolest thing ever (laughs) and when you didn't have access to the entire internet on your phone you could just call people at first but then you could text them i kind of miss that actually i wish i didn't have so much access on my phone to just everything
0: it's really changed how the world is and i actually feel for teenagers it's a lot more confusing because you you have everything at your fingertips we didn't have everything and it was still hard <laughs> yeah yeah any closing thoughts on, we bunny trailed a lot, but it was a fun bunny trail. Any closing thoughts on Turning Red?
1: Uh, well, I'm I'm glad they made it. It was kind of therapeutic to watch it. And then I watched it with my mom too. And it kind of helped me to explain some of how I felt when I was a teenager. Because mm-hmm. I, never, I never talked to her about a lot of how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Although I'm sure to a point she could probably tell and or guess because it seems to be it seems to be something that a lot of teenagers feel but it was nice it was nice for opening a conversation and helping me kind of close off part of me that i didn't know needed to be you know have a bookend (laughs) so it was nice
0: i'm so glad i feel like that is art at its best and that it speaks to us and maybe gives words to things we don't have the words for. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Thank you for bringing up this very unique, interesting movie. has a lot of interesting uh, emotions attached to it for me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for listening to The Patchwork Girl and Friends. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. And if you would like to see the artwork that I made for it, please check out my Facebook page or my Instagram account. You can find me by looking for Patchwork Girl Productions. I hope that this episode has encouraged you to go out and have interesting conversations with your friends. I release new podcasts every other week and sometimes special ones on holidays. Have a great day, friends. I'll see you next time. I guess we're good. We're good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I paused because I was like, man, I don't know if I should say anything, but I couldn't think of anything to That's else okay. To say, so it'll just be a hard stop there. Boom. <laughs> Straight. <Street. That's okay. laughs>